Jeremiah. We are in chapter 39 of Jeremiah. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? Anybody? Bible? Oh, wow. The pastor's wife needs a Bible. Uh, we, we have to go back to square one, I think. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word, this wonderful book. And I pray, Lord, as we're looking at the life of Jeremiah, that it would encourage, not discourage, but encourage just, yeah, the courage of this man, the godliness, the beauty of his life because he had the Holy Spirit upon him. And Lord, I just pray that you put that great, wonderful, powerful desire in our heart to be like Christ, to be like you, Jesus. Lord, as we look at his life, Jeremiah's life this evening and how he resembled you in so many ways and he's a representation to us that yes, it can be done. And Father, I just pray that you would meet everyone here exactly where they're at, Lord. We thank you that you do that, Lord. Every time we open this word and declare, we, you do that. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you guys are probably sick of these charts, so, but I have to do it. It's like I'm a history major and so I have to do these type of things. So I'm putting up actually a different one that says almost the same thing, except it has these dates. And so here is the first King Saul, David, the one we know all, uh, a lot about, David. And we're going to hear a little bit about one of his descendants this evening, a couple of his descendants this evening. Uh, he established the Messianic royal line that would eventually lead to Christ, Jesus Christ. There was a civil war here in, nine, uh, in about 922 B.C., long, long time ago. And at that time, northern Israel split. And Judah, which was the line of David, this is this side. So you can go all the way down. Just keep on going all the way. And all along... As we are going all these lives, a few hundred years, the prophets were warning the Israelites, you need to stay with God. That was the old covenant. The covenant in the Old Testament was if, if you abide, if you obey, and it even said carefully in Deuteronomy, if you carefully obey all my commandments, you will, be, you will be blessed. You will live. But then it says if you don't, there's going to be judgment. And so the, uh, there were good kings. And man, when there were good kings, you just saw Israel prosper. It was just a wonderful sight to behold. But right around here, again, Manasseh ruled for 50 years, uh, killed many, many young children at the altars of foreign uh, gods and ritualized prostitution. So much innocent blood, it was said, actually in the Bible, in Manasseh's reign, Jerusalem flowed with blood from one end to the other. 
Josiah came in, and he was the last good king. And he was a really, really good king. Uh, and, but, unfortunately, it did not trickle down. And these are uh, four of his uh, progeny, his, his, his sons here. And uh, we're at the very end. During this whole time, starting in Josiah, the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying to Israel. And he's prophesying the same thing throughout to the very, very end. And tonight's chapter, we read about the very end. The very end, that is, of Jerusalem. Or I shouldn't say the very end of Jerusalem. The fulfillment of the judgment that had been pronounced by Jeremiah. We'll read that tonight in the reign of, of Zedekiah. And, and the fall of Jerusalem was in 587 B.C. There were several times during, uh, during the reign of Jehoiakim and uh, right here after the reign of Jehoiachin where Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came in into, into Jerusalem, but he didn't destroy the city. Instead, he took exiles, he took the princes of the land and brought them back to his city 900 miles away to Babylon. It would be sort of kind of like the king of Brazil uh, coming and taking the best people of the land from the United States back to uh, Rio and uh, and that's how the Babylonians did it. That's how the Babylonians tried to weaken their enemies is, is they basically took the, the so-called cream of the crop and take them back. Daniel was one of those, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But tonight we're here at the very end of Zedekiah's uh, reign. In, in, in chapter uh, 39, we'll, we'll, we're going to start here in chapter 39, but I do want to briefly uh, review this Zedekiah guy. The Zedekiah had been put into power actually by the Babylonian king, so he was more or less a puppet of the king. And he was told by the prophet Jeremiah, look, this is of the Lord. You guys, your, your forefathers and you and the people of the land have been so rebellious against the word of God. They have rebelled. They have lived in such rebellion, in such disobedience to the word of God that there is going to be a 70-year period where the Babylonians, your enemy, your cruel enemy, is going to rule over you, and it's going to be your discipline from the Lord, and it's going to be for your good, and it's going to be to cure you of all this idol worship which you have been insisting on uh, lowering yourself to for the last 50 years. And indeed it was. After the 70-year period, you never see mention of idols uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in the nation of Israel anymore. When we go through the New Testament, for example, you never hear, you hear Jesus confronting a lot of things. He's never confronting the religious people for worshiping idols. That's because the prophecy of Jeremiah was fulfilled. They were cured of this idol worship. But uh, Jeremiah had also told him, 
don't resist this foreign power coming in and occupying you. And uh, he didn't like that, of course. And he had uh, false prophets around him. When I say he, this king, King Zedekiah, he had false prophets around him saying, this guy, Jeremiah, um, he's a traitor. Don't listen to him. So at various points, he's thrown into jail. But, but he, as we saw last week, Zedekiah, just the guy, he just for a spine, it was just, it was Welch's grape jelly. I mean, he, he was just such a spineless dude. And when everything got, when things got bagged, he pulled in um, <laughs> Jeremiah. And when things got better, he let Jeremiah basically be persecuted. Now, whatever you do, if you take something away from the message tonight, don't be like that. Don't put, don't force God's hand and make him uh, chasten you, bring about financial hardship in your life, bring about sickness in your life, bring about relationship problems so that you'll wake up and, and cry out and say, deliver me, O God, and then you get delivered only for you to go right back. Don't do that. Man, if there's anything we take away from Jeremiah, there's many things we should take away, but at least take that away. So in, in, in chapter 47, it, it really is a pathetic picture. The Babylonian army had surrounded Jerusalem. Jerusalem was, had these high, huge, thick walls, and the enemy couldn't get in. But they were starving the people of the city to death what does he do in chapter 37? He called, Zedekiah calls Jeremiah and he goes, pray now to the Lord our God for us, please. You know, it would have been very much, it would have been hard for me if I was Jeremiah not to say, oh, you want to pray for me? You now, huh? Now. What about, you know, a little while ago when you were ignoring me? You know, but, but he, you know, he doesn't do that. But then later on the chapter, the Babylonian army withdrew and they went away. The from because the, the Egyptian army had come up, and, and so the Babylonian army said, we better split. So they split. They went back home. And at that time, uh, sure enough, Jeremiah was seized by the government, and he was put in jail. And, and, and then, you know, a few months later, Zedekiah takes him out, but he does it so secretly. And that's in uh, 3717 there. And, and he says, hey, do you have any word for me from the God? And, and, and Jeremiah said to him, yeah, you're going to be delivered into the king, hand of the king of Babylon. Doesn't change his message at all. So he's not affected in terms of what he teaches and how he lives based upon his circumstances. What another great thing to learn from the prophet Jeremiah. And, and then uh, uh, in chapter 38, a bunch of the princes get together and, and, and they seize Jeremiah and, and they arrest him again and they go to Zedekiah the king and say, hey, we want to throw this guy in prison. Zedekiah goes, well, I can't do anything. Go ahead and do it. And they throw him into a well where he's thrown at the bottom and he sinks down into the mud, the muck and the mire. And then he's rescued from there and the king brings him back and starts listening to him again. It's crazy. Well, in chapter 39, we see the final fulfillment of what Jeremiah had been preaching for 40 years. God is so patient. The Lord is so patient. He's so long-suffering. He's so long-suffering with our country. 
It says in verse 1 of chapter 39, in the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the eleventh month of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate. Oh, no. Nergal Sherezer, Samgar Nebo, Sarsachim, Rabsaris, Nergal Sherezer, Rabmag. Where's Kelly Davis? Rabmag. Oh, Ragmaga? <laughs> no, don't give her a Babylonian. No, it's okay. Give her a Babylonian name if you want to. With the rest of all the princes of the king of Babylon. So it says they came in and just sat in the middle gate, in the middle of the city, in the place of power. Now, if you're a Jew reading this, this is causing your heart to grow faint and to crumble. This is a tremendous tragedy. If, for those of you who like history, the picture of Hitler in Paris, I mean, could anything be so outrageous to have Hitler just in Paris stomping his foot? You know, um, I don't know if you've seen that film, but, um, and, and, you know, can you, can you even conceive of something more outrageous? Well, this is something much more outrageous than that. For hundreds of years, uh, this had been, you know, the, there had been peace in the city from time to time. There was a couple of civil wars and a brief period where um, Jerusalem was... Uh, was uh, penetrated. Sometimes it was by, actually by their brethren in the north, the Israelites. But here, the, here the Babylonians just come in and they set up shop. Just a tremendous tragedy here. And so it was when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, they fled and went out of the city by night. Oh, this is the kind of leader you really want. And just leaves all his sheep. Of course, we've seen his character, right? Already. This shouldn't surprise anybody. (laughs) And they fled and went out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls, and he went out by the plains. But the, uh, the... And so, Stephanie, is it Chaldean or Chaldean? She wants me to pronounce it in a certain way. But you want me to pronounce it. Chaldean. You see, I want to please my wife. The Chaldeans. You are in a good place, husbands, or men to be married. When you have a wife, you know, correcting your pronunciation of Bible names, you're in a good place. That's a place I'm in because it means your wife's in the Word of God. Praise the Lord. But the Chaldean, not the Chaldean, the Chaldean army. It's okay? You'll forgive me? You prefer it. But I want to do what you prefer. But the Chaldean army pursued... I'm not being sarcastic, seriously. But the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, 
where he pronounced judgment on him. And so briefly, you don't have to go there yourself, but in chapter 32, Jeremiah had told Zedekiah, he, he had told him, you're not going to escape. This is chapter 32, verse 4. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the land of, uh, hand of the Chaldeans, but surely he shall be delivered into the hand of the king and shall speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. And so here's the fulfillment of it right here. He's brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and guess what? Nebuchadnezzar, who is a cruel pagan king, He's not a happy camper. He had already, he had installed three kings in Jerusalem trying to have sort of a peaceful situation there. Or the three, thing, three kings had been installed. He's trying to get one peace, but each one rebelled. And so um, keep in mind this guy Zedekiah had made a covenant, a pledge to him that he would honor his authority. He rebelled anyway. And when you rebel against someone, a, a, a pagan king in the year 586, this is what happens to you. Verse 6, the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. Can there, can there be anything worse than that? The king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon, And I've mentioned this before. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, who at, when Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem, way over in Babylon where a, a lot of the Israelites had been exiled to, Ezekiel had been prophesying at the same time. What did he prophesy? Ezekiel chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 12. It says, and the prince, Zedekiah, who is among them, shall bear his belongings on his shoulder at twilight and go out. So he's, he's going to escape from the city. They shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. He shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him. This is the Lord speaking, Ezekiel speaking the word of the Lord. And he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it though he shall die there. So a prophecy that he was going to be blinded. And he says he'll be brought to the land of the Babylonians, but he won't see it. Why? Because he had his eyes taken out. That's how things worked uh, in the year 586 B.C. Verse 8, And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And to this day, they have an excavation, which actually, it, 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 if you dig down deep enough, you will see the excavation, a layer of embers or ashes, not embers, um, but there's just the ash that as a result of the burning here, there's one higher up with is the burning in uh, AD 70 when the Roman... Uh, uh, General Titus came in and burned Jerusalem, but down lower there's one believed to be from this very time. Verse 9, Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to Babylon the remnant of the people who remained in the city. So this is like a third exile of people. And those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained. But 
Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah the poor people who had nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So some of you may remember that in chapter 29, Jeremiah actually wrote a letter to Nebuchadnezzar to be read to all the Jews telling them uh, in chapter 29 in this letter, telling them, listen, it is me that caused you to be brought to this place in Babylon. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat fruit, take wives, beget sons and daughters, and, 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 and seek the peace of the city. So Nebuchadnezzar knows this guy, Jeremiah. He, he had read, the, the, the letter had been read to him, and so... Uh, Jeremiah here, instructions are given to make sure and take care of him. And verse 13, so Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent, oh no, Nebuzashban, Rebsaris, Nergal, Sherezer, Rabmag, there, there they are again, and all the king of Babylon's chief officers, then they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, the son of Shaphan, that he should take him home. So he dwelt among the people. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. Do you remember him? I believe it was last week. Jeremiah was thrown to the bottom of the well in the muck of the mire. Everyone had abandoned him except a, an Ethiopian eunuch, this guy, Ebed-Melech. He was a eunuch. But, we, you know, we, we reflected on this, perhaps looking at what the Old Testament law and, and the prophet Isaiah says about eunuchs and how God will bless them and save them um, if they turn to him. He went to the king and actually got Jeremiah freed. And so Jeremiah in verse 16 says, Go and tell this guy, Ebed Melech, behold, I will bring my words upon the city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid, for I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. So this one guy, Ebed-Melech, why is he delivered? Because he believed. Why was he kind to Jeremiah? Because he believed. And, uh, uh, you know, he is, in a way, he, he, he's just um, this, this foreigner, Ebed-Melech, an Ethiopian, even an Ethiopian eunuch. And you remember, we discussed this last week, that eunuchs really weren't even allowed in the temple area. Uh, because of what had happened to them being eunuchs. But he is a lot like the Samaritan, which who we discussed this morning in Luke chapter 10. He's just a stinging rebuke to the religious people of the day who 
had just watered down the word of God, compromised the word of God, disobeyed the word of God, and along comes this Ethiopian eunuch who is just an indictment against them. Bartimaeus, same way, same thing. He was a blind man. Jesus about to enter Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified. Bartimaeus, he's blind. He's crying out, have mercy on me, son of David. Son of David was another word for Messiah. The religious establishment, the religious people were rejecting, were rejecting Jesus. And, 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 and yet the Lord so often uses the foolish to make the wise, to bring the wise down. And Bartimaeus, just like the Samaritan, same thing. Chapter 40, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar Nebuzaradan, and the captain of the guard had let him go from Ramah where he had taken him bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Ju- uh, Jerusalem and Judah who were carried away captive to Babylon. There's an interesting little piece there. So before Nebuchadnezzar, I know this is a lot of information and try to stick with me here. We read in verses 11 and 12 of the previous chapter that Nebuchadnezzar told this guy, this general, Nebuzaradan, look, find Jeremiah and bless him any way he wants to be blessed. Well, this guy, when he first showed up in the city, didn't know any better, and he was just rounding up people and throwing them basically into prison. One of the people he rounded up was Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is dragged to this other city, and then once again, and by by the way, things are going to get even crazier than they are now in the life of Jeremiah. But once again, you see Jeremiah in, in circumstances, he had, been, he had been told in Jeremiah chapter 1 by the Lord, you go and speak to these people, speak exactly what I tell you to speak to them, and don't be dismayed at their faces, and I will deliver you because I am with you. He says, I will deliver you because I'm with you. But over and over, the guy is thrown into prison. <laughs> and, and here, finally, when judgment happens and Jerusalem's burned down and all the wicked leaders, including the king, are killed, here's this poor prophet who had been faithful throughout the whole time period being dragged away to prison. And he's got to be thinking, Lord, what is going on? Well, I, I don't get this, Lord. But in verse 2, it says, The captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God has pronounced this doom on your place. Now the Lord has brought it and has done just as he said, because your people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. It doesn't get any worse than when some total unbeliever comes up to you and starts rebuking you for disobeying what they know you're supposed to be uh, obeying. Has that ever happened to you? Like a complete unbeliever, they know you're a Christian, you're in some season of your life, you do something real stupid, and they're like, wow, you know, some Christian you are. You're supposed to be doing this. Look at, well, look at what you did. Look at what you did. And, and that's sort of what's going on here with Jeremiah, although the, this guy's really talking to Jeremiah. He's really talking to the people of Israel. Uh, and, he, and he's saying, the Lord has brought all this on you. And, and, and verse 4, it says, and now look, I free you this day 
from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you, come with me to Babylon. Come and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See all the land is before you, wherever it seems good and convenient for you. Just go there. Just Look, I've gotten these instructions from the king to come and tell you, do whatever you want to do, and I'll bless you. I'll honor you. I'll protect you. That's the message to Jeremiah. So all of a sudden, Jeremiah's like, okay, Lord, sorry. I didn't, I, I don't know this was going on. This, there was unbelief in his mind, but he's being dragged off to prison. He's sitting in a prison. He's thinking, oh, Lord, what happened? Your promise. I'm supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be with me. But once again, the Lord, the word of the Lord uh, is, is true. And he's brought out of prison. And he's like, okay, sorry, Lord. Sorry, didn't, didn't believe your word again. And here I am free. And he's going to be blessed and he's going to be protected. And it says in verse 5, now while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzaradan said, go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah and dwell with him among the people. Apparently, this general saw, look, we're not going to be able to take you away from this place. You belong here. You're obviously, your heart is rooted into this place. You belong here. Just stay here, it, 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 it is what he says. And, and it says that um, at the end of verse 5, so the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. Then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim, to Mizbah, which is a, a place uh, in the tribe of near Jerusalem and, and Benjamin, to Mizbah and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. Now, this is a fascinating thing here that Babylon at this time is one of the most gorgeous places and prosperous places in the entire world. In fact, it was such a wonderful place to live that when the Jews went there and then they were told to go back, most of them didn't go back. They were making so much money. They were enjoying the luxury. They enjoyed the... It was the best of the best of the entire world. God honored his word and totally prospered the Jews after they had been dragged 900 miles away to Rio. And, and, or, and, and it was like this great place, Babylon. It was like Rio. It was just like this wonderful place to flesh, to the flesh. Oh, wow, this is just great. And... Meantime, Judah, the land of Israel, which had once been a place flowing with milk and honey, had been completely torched, overrun. The vineyards had been destroyed. The, the place had been, um, the, the city, village after vi village had just been decimated by the Babylonian army. And here's Jeremiah. Now, his, I don't know if he was friends, but his friends, you know, Ezekiel, the prophets in, in Babylon. It kind of reminds me of these, uh, these guys and these preachers in Hawaii, you know. <laughs> hey, why are they there? Why am I here? You know. But after 40 years of being faithful to the gospel, 40 years, for 40 years he had been faithful. Even after he was thrown in prison, he'd come out, well, do you have a new word for us? It didn't change it a bit. He gave it to him. At this point, he had the opportunity to go and take it easy, man. 
retire. Have his little space of, of prosperity in Babylon, the most prosperous place in the whole world. At this time, he's about 65 years old. But you know something to do it? He actually, it appears, had the freedom to do it. But, but, but it's not where apparently he had the freedom to do it. In other words, here's a plan B for you. But he knew plan A. He knew plan A. And plan A was for him to stay in Babylon. In fact, as we'll see in the next chapter, unfortunately, there's still people in the land who they need strong message from the word of God. And so, oh, what a message this is for us. Oh, how I see this in the church in the United States of America. And I was talking about this this morning, how we do just what that lawyer was doing with Jesus. He was wanting to lower the standard of righteousness, of God's standard of righteousness. And of course, we always lower the standard of God's word to a standard that we can follow. <laughs> that way we can look at ourselves and say, you yeah, know, we're doing pretty good. And so what Christians do in the United States of America is they, you know, so oftentimes they get to a certain place where there's a, there's, there's a prosperity in their life. And they're given a chance, you know, I want you to go to the land of Judah. Or I want you to continue in this ministry in the land of Judah. If you want, you can go to the land of Babylon with all the prosperity and just, you know, stay in your sort of little comfort zone here. And, and it's become normal for, for Christians, followers of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, to just retire. I've actually heard people say this before. I put in my years at the church. Now I'm kicking back. And, yeah, it's a tragedy because um, they're not dying doing what the Lord wants them to do. And, 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 you know, our life is a testimony, and we have one opportunity to live out that testimony once, and then we die. What do we want as a legacy for our children? Do we want to go back to Babylon? Hey, Ezekiel didn't have it easy, easy there either. Didn't he, like, live on his side for, like, two or three years or some crazy, crazy thing like that? So it's almost like the Lord was telling him, look, you live in this great palace with all the best food and all the best stuff. Hey, go and live on your side for, you know, a year or two. But, uh, but, but, but anyway, um, he obeys the Lord. He stays in Judah. And we'll, as we'll see, he's, unfortunately, this is a strange way to put it, unfortunately, he's really needed here. Verse 7 all, and when all the captains of the armies who were in the fields, they, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had, met, had made Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim. Ah, ah, now, just, I didn't really review this before, but this guy, Gedaliah, is the son of Ahakim. Now, you, remember, you may remember, if you're like, taken incredibly scrupulous notes and studying them every night that this guy Ahakim had saved Jeremiah about 10 or 20 years before in the reign of Jehoiakim. Ahakim's father, Shapham, was in the court of Josiah. So this is a godly family, Gedaliah. This guy had, had, was made governor. So Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 7, made this guy Gedaliah governor of the land. And he was a godly man. He was a, a direct descendant of a... He was in a, in a heritage 
just a wonderful heritage. It's, it's amazing to see what happens to men and women who co- just who, who hand the Christian heritage to their kids and the way that that heritage can just continue and just bear incredible fruit. Parents, your number one ministry is to each other. Number two is to your kids. It will bear so much fruit. Don't give up. And, but, but here the governor, so that now you have a godly governor, Gedaliah, um, and, and he's governor, and it says, and, and in the middle of, of verse 7, it says, and it was committed to him men, women, children, and the poorest of the land who had not been carried away captive to Babylon. So the people who were not poor were either killed, if they were in any way associated with the king, they were killed, or they were carried away captive to Babylon. Verse 8, then they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, Johanan, and Jonathan, the sons of Korea, Sariah, the son of Tehumeth, the sons of Ephi, the sons of Netophathite, and Jezaniah, the son of Amakathite, they and their men. And Gedaliah, the son of Aachim, the son of Shaphan, took an oath before them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid to serve the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you." Remember, remember, this was exactly, this was the will of the Lord. It is sometimes the will of the Lord for you to go through a season, a long season. This one would be 70 years of chastening. So they would be chastened by this this king, this foreign king, for a period of 70 years before the Jews would go back and the temple would be rebuilt. And, and this is what this godly man, Gedaliah, is simply repeating what Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, had said for 70 years. He's simply repeating it to the men of the land. Look, don't be afraid to be under these Babylonians. The Chaldeans and Babylonians, just the same thing. Verse 10, as for me, I will indeed dwell at Mizpah and serve the Chaldeans who come to us. But you gather wine and summer fruit and oil. Put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken. Likewise, when all the Jews who were in Moab among the Ammonites and Edom and all who were in all the countries heard the king of Babylon had left a remnant of Judah and that he had set over them Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim, the son of Shapham. This, uh, they returned. Verse 12 says they returned uh, out of all the places where they had been driven and came to the land of Judah. Keep in mind, there was a, had been a war there for years. Nebuchadnezzar that had come in and, and people were fleeing to just other countries around Israel, to Ammon, to Moab, to Edom. And when they find out that there is a remnant of Jews that the Babylon, Babylonians had left in Israel, but not only that, there was a godly man who was governor, they fleed back. They came back to Jerusalem. In verse 13, moreover, Johanan, So here it takes a strange twist. The son of Korea and all the captains of the faces that were in the fields, forces rather, that were in the fields came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Who's Gedaliah? Who is he? He's the governor. I know there's so many names here. It's it's hard to keep track. So they go to Gedaliah in verse 13, and they say to him, verse 14, do you certainly know 
that Balas, the king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to murder you? Guy's only been off office three months. And now he, this is what he finds out. But Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, did not believe them. Then Johanan, the son of Kareah, spoke secretly to Gedaliah and Mizpah, saying, Let me go, please. I will kill Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and no one will know. Why should he murder you? So that all the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered and the remnant in Judah perish. So somehow this guy's got, we will find out, he knows about a scheme that is in fact true. There's this guy, Ishmael, that wants to kill him, Gedaliah, this godly man. Verse 16, but Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim, said to Johanan, the son of Korea, you shall not do this thing, for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Uh, This week I read a, a devotional about, anyone remember that story in the time of the king of David when the king of the Ammonites, here I go giving you more information, God help you, but the king of the Ammonites died, his son, I think the guy's name was Hanan, reigned, and King David had a very good relationship with his father who died, so he sent a bunch of emissaries to his son to give him a gift, say, I'm sorry what happened to your to your father. This is terrible. Your father was a wonderful man. So David sent a bunch of his people, King David did, over to the land of Ammon. Anyone remember what happened? Right, exactly. The the new king's friends, the king was probably like 20 or something, and his teenage friends said, oh, these people from David, they're, they're terrible. They're coming here to spy out the land. Do you really think they're here to, to, because they feel sorry for you? They're coming here to spy out the land. They're going to come in, bring the information back to David, and you're gonna, they're going to wipe out you and depose you as king. It's all a bunch of lies. David was never an offensive king. He never went out and just conquered lands for the sake of conquering them. He had a wonderful heart. He wanted to just bless this this new young king. The new young king believed what was said and had David's emissaries, half of their beards cut off. And then he also cut their robes right up to like the center of their buttocks and said, okay, go on your way. Totally shamed them. What happened? A war, 40,000 people died. And, 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 you know, the Bible says as Christians that we're supposed to think no evil. And, you know, when we come into the body of Christ, we come in very trusting no one, basically, many of us, because we've been betrayed so many times. It takes us years to get over this. We just have suspicions about everybody and everything. The Bible says... Think no evil and believe all things. Believe all things. And if we don't, we learn from this story in the King of David, we can do unbelievable damage to the people around us. 
to the very people we're supposed to be ministering to because we give in to our suspicion. I know why that guy's doing this or maybe this person is. And, and Satan, Satan, the demonic realm, will put lies into your head even about each other sometimes or about people at your work or about your family members that are just outright lies. The Bible says love believes all things. However, that needs to be balanced with something else, and that is a spirit of discernment. It's a spiritual gift, the Bible says. And here, this guy, Gedaliah, it looks like he's doing a noble thing. If you didn't read ahead, it's like, you know, this guy's a good guy. He believes the best here about this guy, Ishmael. And he's saying, oh, no, don't say this thing about Ishmael. You, you speak falsely about him when, in fact, it's true. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. That's all I have to say. Who does give discernment. Most of the time, in, in my experience, I find that if something comes into my head about someone else, it's, it, that's, not, that's not positive. It's just, it's from the enemy. It's wrong. The Bible says love believes all things. It says love thinks no evil. Praise the Lord. That's how love looks like. We need to pursue that. But there are times, though, when God gives you a word of knowledge by the Holy Spirit. Be careful of this person. Unfortunately here, Gedaliah uh, does not believe this true report. Chapter 41 says, Now it came to pass in the evening that Ishmael, the son of Nethaliah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family. Now that's a very interesting fact. He was actually related to David. He, he was related to King David, this guy Ishmael, this, this Judas, this unfathomably wicked guy. We're going to read about him. It said, came with ten men to Gedaliah, the son of Ahakim, and there they ate bread together in Mizpah. Verse 2, then Ishmael, the, the son of Nethaniah, and, the, and ten men who were with him arose and struck Gedaliah the son of Aachim, the son of Shaphan, with a sword, and killed him, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Now we know that we never saw David behave like this. David killed a lot of people, some people he shouldn't have killed. But he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't treacherous like this. He wasn't a deceiver like this. This guy may have had some blood from David, but his conduct was anything like David's. Verse 3, Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gedaliah at Mizpah, and the, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. And it happened on the second day after he killed Gedaliah, when as yet no one knew it, that certain men, so no one knows about what's happened, right? And it says in verse 5 that certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, 80 men with their beard shaved and their clothes torn, having cut themselves with offering and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. So they are so devastated that Jerusalem had been torn down. They're in the state of mourning. Notice in the middle of the verse it says they cut themselves. This is, this is how far down things had got in Israel. Israel was specifically prevented, I mean prohibited, in the law of Moses from cutting themselves in times of mourning. But this just shows you where even religious, good religious people were doing things that 
pagan god, followers of pagan gods that they were cutting themselves. But these guys were actually, they were good men. They felt terrible about what happened to Jerusalem. They're coming to Jerusalem to mourn about what had happened to it. Verse 6 says, Now Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went along. And it happened as he met with them that he said to them, Come to Gedaliah, the son of Aachim. So here's more treachery. Come to this godly guy, Gedaliah. Come to him. He's the son of Aachim. Now everyone knows that Aachim and Gedaliah, they're godly people, people to be trusted. But this guy, Ishmael, who had just murdered Gedaliah, the governor, saying, hey, yeah, come, come. He's, he's going to be waiting for you. Verse 7, so it was when they came into the midst of the city that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, killed them and cast them into the midst of the pit, he and the men who were with them. Crazy stuff. C- crazy stuff. And, and like, I hope, I hope you're, you know, if you're not coming Sunday morning, you're getting something else, like, from the Bible during the week because this is what we do on Sunday night. We talk about stuff like this. And uh, th- there, there's uh, more to the Bible than things like this. Anyway, I, there's so much still to learn about them, but it's just like so gory. Uh, it, you know, there's so much to lo- learn here. And, and this is what fallen man is like. This is like the Romans chapter 1 talks about the downward spiral of sin. Well, this is where sin takes us. This is where this country is going to go if it continues to go down in a downward spiral, notwithstanding all the prophetic voices today warning it. But 10 men were, so he kills all these guys except 10 of them, verse 8. But 10 men were found among them who said to Ishmael, do not kill us for we have treasures of wheat barley oil and honey in the field. So he desisted and did not kill them. So it was all about money. He was just a greedy guy, this guy Ishmael. He may have said, oh, well, I'm of the line of David, and, and you know, we, it's horrible that these Babylonians are now ruling in, in this pure nation of Israel. But, they, but really what was going on, he was a greedy guy. He just wanted money. Verse 9, now the pit in which Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain because of Gedaliah was the same one Asa, the king, had made for fear of Basha, the king of Israel. Uh, So that's kind of interesting when Asa, who was a good king, had made this hundreds of years before, this pit to guard against um, the enemy to the north. Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, filled it with the slain. I mean, just how awful. Excuse me. Then Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters, and all the people who remained in Mizpah when Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah, the son of Aachim. And Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, carried them away captive and departed to go over to the Ammonites. But, so this is like, like a late night drama filled with gore, okay? It it doesn't stop. We're going to continue here. Verse 11, but when Johanan, remember who he was? He was the guy who came to Gedaliah and said, this guy's going to kill you. But Gedaliah said, no, I don't believe you. You speak falsely about him. Well, here he shows up again in verse 11. But when Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were with him heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had done, they took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael. It's like, get him. Yeah, get him. Go get him. 
And they found him by the great pool in Gideon. So it was when all the people who were with Ishmael saw Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the cap- captains of the forces who were with them, they were glad. It reminds you of that proverb. How's that proverb go? When the wicked reign, people run for cover, but the, when the righteous reign, the people rejoice. And, and they, say, they see Johan, and he's a righteous guy. And remember, they had been taken prisoner by this evil, wicked guy, Ishmael. And it says that they were glad when they saw him. Verse 14, then all the people whom Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah turned around and came back and went to Johanan, the son of Koresh. But Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, escaped. Oh, oh, no, please. And he went to the Ammonites. So he, he basically fled, and he went to another country, and he got um, asylum there. Verse 16, Then Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, took from Mizpah all the rest of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, after he had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, the mighty men of war, and the women, and the children, and the eunuchs, whom he brought back from Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chilim, which is near Bethlehem birthplace of Jesus, as they went on their way to Egypt because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Aachim, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the land. So here's what's going on here. I, I, again, I know this is a lot of information. This guy, jo, Johan, Johanan, he's a righteous guy. We're going to see that he's got his faults too. But now that the guy, the governor that Nebuchadnezzar had put in place has been assassinated, he's worried that the king of Babylon is just going to come again and just destroy everything he sees. So he wants to flee down to Egypt. He wants to flee down to Egypt. So he's on his way to Egypt with all these Jewish people, and they're just going to leave the land, leave the land. And in, in chapter 42, where are we? Eight o'clock? Eight o'clock? Okay, I'm going to wrap this up in a few minutes. And I know that makes my wife cringe when I say that. And when it's already eight o'clock. So she's cringing now. But I, I, I will. I'll wrap this up in just a few minutes. See, she keeps me accountable. Got husbands? If you have a wife that keeps you accountable, you're in a good place. Verse 1, now all the captains of the forces, Johanan the son of Korea, Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet. So they come to Jeremiah the prophet. And and I just can't help but think. So they're going to ask him in these, we're not going to go through the rest of the chapter, but they're going to ask Jeremiah, please pray for us and and figure out, tell us what God wants us to do. Does he want us to go to Egypt or does he want us to stay here? But I just can't think, help but think about Jer- Jeremiah. You know, just the mayhem and the absolute craziness that he is seeing 
Um, he's been preaching for years and years. He's thrown in and out of jail. He sees the Babylonians come into Jerusalem, but then he leaves. You know, what's going on there, Lord? I thought the Babylonians are supposed to wipe them out. The Babylonians come again and leave. What's going on, Lord? Babylonians finally come in, destroy the land. They set up a governor. That governor's murdered. Now these people, the only good people left in the land, they're wondering whether they should leave or not. And, and as, as we'll see, they really, they just want to leave. The problem with that is that, that God doesn't want them to leave. And, and Jeremiah actually had already told them that they're not supposed to leave. He's got to be, it's like, what a mess. Have you guys, Tony Carabayo, this is one of his favorite expressions. What a mess. What a mess. That's what he does. Um, but but uh, it was a mess. But, but listen, when, you know, just for us, when we get in the situation where, where, you know, our heart is rooted into the Lord, we're Christians. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. But we just look around us and we think in our circumstances, this absolutely makes no sense what's going on around. How could I possibly explain the weirdness that is going on around me. How can this be the Lord? How could God possibly be in control in the midst of all this? Babylonians come in, set up a governor. He's murdered. The murder runs off. These people want to run. So when you're in, you're in a place where it makes absolutely no sense. But more than that, it just all seems just crazy. What a mess. Think of Jeremiah. Think of Jeremiah. It's just anarchy. And here's this guy, this man of God, just living a simple life, faithful to the Lord, with the storms just going on around him, the craziness, the violence, the treachery, just going on, serving the Lord. God God is with him the whole time. He had promised him four years, uh, 40 years earlier that he'd never leave him. And he's going on faithfully. So I want to end there. Just the, 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 the faithfulness of the Lord and this amazing, amazing story. Uh, there is, has anyone seen that TB, was it, what was it? It was a thing on Jeremiah uh, that, that, well, well, Ted Turner did one. I know that's scary. That Ted Turner did a uh, what is it? It's not TBN. What's what's his TBS? TBS? What's Ted Turner's? I, I forget. But he does a thing on uh, he does a made for TV movie on Jeremiah. It's it's not that bad, but you can't possibly do justice for for you know with this guy it's just so amazing what he goes through but we are going to um end in prayer tonight and uh i